Hello and welcome to the Rockcast. This is the podcast home for our sermons at the Redemption Outreach Center. I'm Pastor Shane and I'm elated that you're here with us today. And I just pray this, that whatever words are said or things that you hear are truly an inspiration, that the Holy Spirit works through the words and the things that you're hearing, that it would inspire you to draw closer to God, to explore your faith, to dig deeper, to build stronger foundations so that ultimately you could become more like Christ and you can be the church that God has called all of us to be. I hope you enjoy the message. And so today we're going to get into a few things. You can get your Bibles ready, but don't stand yet, just so you know where we're headed. Matthew chapter 25. And I just pray God blesses our time together. You may have heard the phrase, and while you're getting ready, I just will set this up. You may have heard the phrase, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is what? It's beyond you, right? Well, I would take it a little further because for some of us, that really might move you. That really might not inspire you much because you might be totally fine with not being a leader. At least we know we're all leaders in some capacity. But you might be like, you know what, I'm fine to keep this pew warm, I'm fine to lay low in the background. I've been there. Trust me, I get it. So I would take it a little further. Some people have no desire to lead. And therefore, that phrase really just doesn't hit home. So I'd take it up a notch, kind of like Jesus did when he talked about even looking at a woman and thinking is lust. I mean, we talked about this. Why you got to take it up a notch? Well, here we go. I would take it up a notch. If serving is beneath you, I would argue, then heaven is beyond you. Now, you talked about confrontation, so you took care of that. Y'all got to love me. If I'm offending, then you got to love me anyway. You can come talk to me in person, but you got to pray first, so it ain't going to be today. You got to go, you know, go home and pray, right? Ain't God good. You go home, you pray, and then you tell me how offended you are, and we'll work it out. We'll have a come to Jesus. But... I, I have been praying and seeking God for this, this week. I'm so excited about next week. I can't stress it enough. The Holy Spirit's going to move in such an awesome way. I'm excited. Um, Bishop Seals has such a heart, not only for our youth, but he was a pastor for 10 years. So he's got that shepherd's heart, and uh, it's going to be an awesome time. But I've been praying for this morning, and this is really what I feel, is if serving is beneath you, heaven is beyond you. And so we'll get to our text, because now I'll prove it. I'll back it up. This is not just Shane's philosophy. This is scripture. So Matthew 25, I told you to get there. Verse 14 is where we're going to start. And if you could, just stand with me in reverence to God's word. We're going to read the parable of the talents. And, and I believe God has a, an interesting perspective for us to take on it. Verse 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents were at one, uh, went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Verse 17, so also he who had the, talent, the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. 
Now after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. In verse 21, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And here's my favorite part. Enter into the joy of your master. Can we pray one last time that God's going to bless this word? Lord Jesus, I thank you and praise you for your scripture. I thank you for what your Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today. God, please help me to deliver in the manner that you see fit, God, the way that you want and intend. Uh, Lord, I, I surrender myself to you right now. I, I surrender myself to the Holy Spirit's will and unction and leading, God, that I would present this the way you want. So it's not about Shane. It's not about serving me as pastor, God. It is about serving you seeking first the kingdom God that ultimately we could be found a good and faithful servant God we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus amen you could be seated so when we look at this particular text we often take the perspective of stewardship and absolutely I think this speaks a lot to stewardship You've been entrusted with some kind of resources, however big or small you might feel that is, some sort of resources and talents, and there is a stewardship aspect to this scripture. But here's what I want us to focus on today. The way he, Jesus refers, or the master refers to these people, he calls them a servant. And obviously this is giving us a picture of judgment where when we stand before God, we hope and pray that he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? That's what we're connecting to. That's the goal. That's the mission as far as eternity goes. I want him to be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the aspect that we're going to look at today. That's the twist. Yes, stewardship is important, and this speaks of stewardship. But I want us to sort of lean in on the fact that he's calling them servant. And each of them were given based on his or her ability. I love that too. Because I look around and we know comparing can be a cancer. I look at other people that they're all that in a bag of chips and I feel like two inches tall. I, you know, I, I'm blessed that we get to rub shoulders with other pastors, and I'll just be honest, I mean, the flesh rises up, and I'm like, man, they could preach the house down, you know, or man, they're so relatable, and oh, this, or oh, that, and I sort of just, by the time I'm done, I'm like, why, why, what am I even doing, right? And you ever feel that way? I don't know about you, maybe at work, you look at somebody, and they're just like crushing their goals in life, or they're, they're just, they got all this talent oozing out of them, and you're like, man. So we know comparing is a cancer, and I love that Jesus uses this illustration. He says that they were each given according to their own ability. God's going to use you where you're at with what you've got, what he's given you right now, and far be it from you or from myself to start comparing. We need to rebuke that cancer right now. Uh-uh. We need to, like Paul, the Apostle Paul says, I say it every Sunday, maintain the unity. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. You can't do that if you're comparing. And I'm worried about so-and-so's got this or that or has this ability, that ability. I don't. Okay? We need to surrender it to God and say, okay, you've given me whatever it is, whatever talents, whatever abilities, God, I'm going to deploy them for you. 
However, might, however inadequate it might feel for me, I'm going to give you what I've got. Because what does he say in verse 20 and 21? Aside from saying, so he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. He says what? You have been faithful over a little. So I'll set you over much. Well, I like that because sometimes I feel like my portion is a little. I got a little bit of talent, just enough that it's just a little. I don't feel like it's a lot. But here we go. I hope you connect with this. I hope you relate to this when it comes to serving God. You take your little. You run with it. You give it all you got. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. That's just Satan trying to trip you up. We rebuke that. You take your little and you give 100% with it. Amen? Because Satan wants to just make you feel like, what's the use? Why bother? He does that in our church. He does that at home with your family. He will get you so that, and I've said this last week, so you're useless to yourself, to your family, to your church, because you don't beat yourself up so much. You don't even bring the little anymore. You just say, what's the use? And I know I'm parking here and I'm taking a minute, but I believe God wants us to hear this. He wants it to to work in our spirit so that we can have some boldness here. I love that we got to collaborate with our sister church, Irwin Church of God. I'm so proud of you for coming out. You know, we can, we, obviously they're a larger church, so, you know, you can start the, 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 the cancer of comparing but no, see, I love it. I got, I've got a friendship with Pastor Tim Sr. and Jr. that we can link arm in arm. We've got each other. Yeah, I'm excited, brother. Uh, brother Joe, the, our teenager, he's, you know, he's going to be plugging in on Wednesdays. Zach's over there interning. This is not a competition. We are to, to unite for the purpose of furthering the kingdom. Amen? And I love that, that we can look at this scripture and be encouraged by it. You take your little and you run with it. So we know this is an illustration of judgment. He's speaking about stewardship, yes, but he's also talking about, he uses the word servant. And you could even keep reading on, and I won't for the sake of time, but you could keep reading on in chapter 25, where Jesus even says that when you were serving the least of these, the serving the people that, that were the lowest of the low, you were actually serving him. I love that. I've got it in my Bible. I've got it underlined. Because we ought to remember that. We, there is, you know, like we said, if serving is beneath you, in my opinion, heaven is beyond you. If you can't serve the low, then God will never bring you up high. In my opinion, my belief, and I think the scripture backs that up. So what does that mean for us? The charge today, if you're not getting it, is I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Doesn't say... Well done, pastor. Doesn't say, well done, apostle. Well done, preacher. You preach the house down. He says, servant. If you're still not getting the point, Matthew chapter 20, you could back up five chapters, and Jesus himself says it. Red letters, if you've got that version. He says, I came to serve, not to be served. Well, there it is. Jesus is saying it himself. And so here, here's what one pastor told me the other day, and I, I don't, we don't know who to give credit to. I'm sure it's been around. You've heard it preached before, but you are most like Christ when you're serving. Just let that sink in for a minute. 
Don't we strive to be Christ-like in everything we do? Don't we, isn't that what we're really, we're saying, Lord, make me new, renew me, transform me by the renewal of my mind, right? We confess our sin, we, we repent, we believe we're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, but ultimately we're trying to be more like Christ. And what does he say? He says, well, I came to serve. So if I'm to be like Christ, my job then is to serve. Amen. This illustration says it well. I, I like this. It says, there's a clever guy named somebody else. There's nothing this guy can't do. He's busy from morning till way late at night just substituting for you. You're asked to do this or you're asked to do that. And what is your ready reply? Get somebody else to do that job. He'll do much better than I. So much to do in this weary old world. So much and workers so few. And somebody else, all weary and worn, is still substituting for you. The next time you're asked to do something worthwhile, just give this ready reply. If somebody else can give time and support, my goodness, so can I. That's the charge for us. God, show me what it means then. All right. I hear the scripture. I think you hear, are hearing the scripture. God, you're telling me I am to be like you and you say you came to serve. So what does that mean for me then? Well, let's, let's look through some scripture together. And I promise I will not preach Genesis to Revelation. I won't be the one-year Bible in, you know, 30 minutes here. We'll sort of hop around or read a little here and there. But I'd like to, to look at Bible stories here to, to hit this home. I love Bible stories. You guys know this. I've told you it's, it's more than a story. It's history. But it's interesting. When you think of a Bible story, what do you, you know, just like in your mind, think of Bible stories. And you start to think of names of Bible characters. You might think of Moses or David, you might, if you know, if you're a woman, you might be thinking of Esther. You might, you know, in the New Testament, you might think about the Apostle Paul or Peter, Timothy. And why is that? Well, these are like main characters, right? I mean, you know, you go watch a movie. Who do you remember the most? The main character. And in the modern day church, I feel like we've got some of these main characters too, right? We've got our pastors, our preachers, our evangelists, and yes. God is using them to further his kingdom. But just like in the Bible, we cannot forget all these great men and women that are, that are central main characters to these stories that move us and inspire us. They were surrounded by others that were serving. And I'll prove it here in a minute and we'll look at it. But please hear me. You might not be called to be up here and preach and to be the pastor but God has called you to serve, just like he's called me to serve. And more than just preaching up here on Sunday. There's more that's even involved in that. But I want you to hear this, that there are so many that have to be the supporting characters, right? Have you ever seen a movie that's only one person in the movie, one actor, no other actors, period? I don't think so. If you have, please let me know. I'd love to check that out. But if, if you, you know, think about it, you've never seen a movie with one character, period. There's no one else in it. That's not really a movie. I don't know. That's like an ad, you know. So I want you to think on that. And so what I'd like to do, if you'll permit, in the next 
little bit that we have together, I'd sort of like to be your tour guide through Scripture, and I'd like to look at some of these lesser-known individuals that God used. They supported the main character, but they, they played a role in the Bible stories that inspire us. And there's so many we could look at, I promise. We'll only be here a couple hours. I, I'm only going to hit a few, okay? I'm going to start in Exodus chapter 18. If you'd like, for your own reading pleasure later, you could go there now with me. Exodus chapter 18. I think it's worth actually reading through. Some of these stories, I promise, I'll give you a synopsis of instead of reading the scripture. But this one in particular, I would like to just read straight from Scripture rather than summing it up for you. Exodus chapter 18, starting at verse 13. Scripture says this. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. I mean, I don't think Moses was necessarily an extrovert, but even if he was, that would be tiring. I'm sorry, let me keep going. Verse 14. When, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Now, this is Jethro, okay, his father-in-law. Verse 15. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me, to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. Can you just look to your neighbor? That ain't good. Just say that. That is not good. Verse 18, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. Interesting, sidebar, if you take notes in the margins, this is a two-way street. Praise God, he's not only talking about Moses. He's not saying, hey, Moses, you're going to just by yourself, you're going to wear you out. No, he says, you're going to wear everybody out. Okay, I'll keep going. I'm sorry. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God will be with you. You shall represent the people before God. And bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens. And let them judge the people at all times." Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. Again, two-way street here. That's why we had to read all the way through here, because he says, you will be able to endure. But then he also says, and the people will be able to go in peace. Because can you imagine? I mean, just think for a minute. Have you ever gotten in line at the wrong DMV? Now, I don't know what it's, I mean, I do know what it's like here. Because I tell you, I found the right ones to go to and the ones to avoid. 
You may be able to relate. There's certain ones I just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go wait in that line. But have you ever gotten in the wrong line? Maybe at Walmart, the DMV, whatever it is, you got stuck on the wrong highway at the wrong time. What do you mean we're going down to one lane? Like what? The other lanes look fine. Like open them back up, right? Have that has and what sort of emotions did you feel in that instant? Instance, did you feel great? You're like I'm blessed. I'm blessed. No, you probably were like move out of the way, my blood is boiling, right, your face is flushed, right, you don't feel a whole lot of peace, right, there's not a whole lot of peace going on, so here, here it is, when Jethro is giving some advice to Moses, who I believe God is inspiring this, that's why it's recorded for us to read, he's saying, look, this is a two-way street, buddy, you're going to burn yourself out, but you're also going to burn all them out, because as it was, they had to wait all day. It says from morning until night, basically waiting in line to be able to get to Moses so he could judge and he could handle whatever business needed to be handled. Do you see how that could just wear everybody out? I mean, if we were all to go wait in a long line and get stuck in traffic right, and then come into church, do you think that might be a hindrance? you think it might take some time for us to sort of lay it at the altar? Can you imagine how it must have been here? So here again, we see the need, and this is an Old Testament example of wisdom on, Moses is saying, look for those that are able. Look for those that fear God. I need to get some bigger print. Oh, Lord. I'm going to the eye doctor tomorrow. Lord, pray for me. I'm looking for the scripture here. Verse 21. Here we go. Thank you, babe. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God. Do I have anybody who has a healthy fear of God here? Okay. I'm in good company. Man, the Lord's about to rise us all up as servants in the name of Jesus. Verse 21, okay, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. Do I have anybody I can trust? You can meditate on that and take it to God. But I, I think I do. I hope so. I think I do. I didn't mean to scare you there. God, we have a healthy fear of God. We, we, we can be trusted because the Holy Spirit is going to work in us. But see... God was giving good advice through Jethro, this minor character. You don't, when you think of like the story of the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, does your mind go to Jethro, my man? No, you think Moses, right? Moses would have been worthless through the rest of this story had he not gotten some good advice from his father-in-law, a man little, lesser known named Jethro. You see where I'm going here? This supporting character that God used to give some wisdom, some leadership structure, and to help. So this story sort of helps us in two areas. First is, God has instructed even me, as your pastor, I need to seek first for, seek for able men, those that I can trust, those that have a healthy fear of God, so I can deploy you for ministry to serve. Not to serve me, to serve the kingdom, to serve God. But then the, also the other aspect of that is, this heart of servant leadership. As your pastor, it is a privilege for me to serve. I love it. I love being able to, to pray for you, 
the times that you need us to visit, I love being able to visit and be with you. I love it. But here's the thing. I've had to realize, and through even this story, and I promise there'll be others we'll get to, but I've had to realize that I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't open up opportunities for you to serve. If I didn't come up with ways for you to get plugged in, I would be holding you back as your pastor. It's not because I don't want to do things. I want to do everything. I'm, I kind of relate to Moses, right? I would gladly, I mean, let's sit morning till evening. I'm, I want to serve my church family. I want them to know I care, so I'll sit there all day. But that's not what God wanted, right? He wanted them to have a good leadership structure. He wanted them to find those that can serve. I'd be burning myself out, and then I'd be burning you out. You'd get tired of waiting on me to get something done. You'd be tired of waiting on me, and you'd be like, just forget it. I'm, you know what? I'm, it's about time for me to move on. But see, I believe that if we take this heart of servanthood, this, what even Scripture the, in the New Testament was telling us about we are to be servants so that at the end God could say, well done, a good and faithful servant. If we can figure this out, I'm telling you, God is going to just do an incredible work here. I believe there's so much potential locked in each and every one of you, and I mean it. This is not lip service, because if I didn't th think it, I'd preach something else. I believe there's so much latent potential in all of us in this room that God wants to deploy for service. And so what we need to pray and ask God for is, okay, God, how can I serve your kingdom? I might not be called to be Moses. Maybe you're called to be like a Jethro because you've got some sense in certain areas, right? You might have financial sense and you're like, hey, the church should do this. And, or maybe you have some sense in other areas. You might know about certain building issues. I, I was able to talk with a brother this weekend who, who knows that stuff. You can get ahead of, you can warn me. If I don't know of a, a problem, you could tell me, hey, you know, that's going to cause a fire if you don't fix it. Maybe God's used you for, you know, you see where I'm getting? Maybe you're like Jethro, or maybe you're like some of the others that we're going to read about here in a minute. I think you get the point. Let's go to another example, if I could. So that's, that part of the tour is over. We're going to just lead it. That was to the right. Let's look, look over to your left now. In Acts chapter 16, when we look at Acts, there's a number of characters you could think about. You could think about the apostle. Uh, you could think about Peter in Pentecost. You can think about the Apostle Paul, who ends up writing most of the New Testament. But how often do you think of a woman named Lydia? When you think of the church in Philippi, or the, let me, the book of Philippians, do you think Lydia? Does Lydia come to your mind? No. You might not even know who Lydia is. So what I love, the book of Philippians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi that he had planted. But I love how God is, and I'm a dork when it comes to history. Acts chapter 16 is where you see the birth of that church. Acts chapter 16, and I promise there's only a few verses. I, I tried to make it less and less so you'd stick around. You wouldn't grab the kids and run out on me. Acts chapter 16, verse 11. So setting sail from Troas... This is the Apostle Paul here. We made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi. Philippi is the church that Paul writes to in the book of Philippians. 
Let me continue. Which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. He's trying to get a, a point across that this was a place known for commerce. It was known for being a happening place, economically booming. We remained in this city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman, to the women who had come together. Verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. I love looking at this woman named Lydia because when you think of the church of Philippi, like we just said, you probably don't think of Lydia. But she was instrumental in the church being able to be founded and planted. What's, when I read it, I remember when we, uh, we had a Bible study on the book of Philippians, I was like, what is a seller of purple? Well, this is a clue that the Bible gives us. There's a reason it tells us that. A seller of purple required a lot of capital. Because essentially what she would do is dye fabric purple, which would generally be used for either royalty or extremely wealthy people. Okay, So it took a lot of capital to be able to get the material she would need to be a seller of purple. So right off the bat, we know that Lydia was wealthy. One, because of this profession, but two, also, she must have had a nice household because she invited Paul and company over to the house. And there obviously was room for all of them. If she was poor, probably wouldn't have had that set up, right? So here's the, the charge for us then. I don't ever have to ask you guys to give. So you might be nervous I'm, I'm you know, telling you all to just you know, empty, dig deep in the pockets. But what areas in life are you wealthy in? It might not just be financial in there are so many ways that you can give to the kingdom of God. What do you have in abundance of? Let the Holy Spirit work on your heart and mind and you think of that. Okay, God, what do I have in abundance of? Because maybe that's what you can give. That's what you could sow into the kingdom. Like Lydia, in her case, she, she had a resource. She probably was a financial supporter of the Apostle Paul to get the ministry going, to get the church started in Philippi. She definitely provided room for them to start. She opened her home so they could start the church in the house. So that was her, well, that's just what she had an abundance of. But what do you have an abundance of? And are you willing to, to sow it into the kingdom for God? Again, hear me. I'm not talking just money. But of course, that's... If you're abundant in money, go ahead. I'll even read a funny illustration here just so you get the point. Okay? <laughs> this gentleman, he gets up. He says, I'm a millionaire. This boastful parishioner testified. And I attribute it all to the rich blessings of God in my life. I can still remember the turning point in my faith like it was yesterday. I had just earned my first dollar, and I went to a church meeting that night the speaker was a missionary who told about his work, and I knew that I only had one dollar bill. 
And I had to either give it all to God's work or nothing at all. So at that moment, I decided to give all that I had to God. I believe God blessed that decision, and that's why I'm a rich man today. So the congregation, the congregation of course, is applauding. They're like, oh, what a beautiful testimony. God's good. And uh, this little old lady got up, and, and she looked over. She said, I dare you to do it again. <laughs> God might not be asking you to empty your wallets and your bank accounts, but there are some areas of abundance in your life. And God is asking, are, would you sow that into the kingdom? Whatever it is. You might have talents and abilities. You might have, you might have an abundance of time. Praise God. We ought to get you to work. Pray, you know, okay, so you serve. You got time. You can help us in prayer for people. You can call people. You can, right? I don't know what it is for you, but this is the charge. The Holy Spirit has to help you in identifying what do you have an abundance of, and are you willing to give it to God? Lydia was, was another one of these lesser-known characters that we get to learn from. Maybe you're a Lydia. Again, we all know Peter in Acts because he, he's the preacher at Pentecost. Everybody knows the preacher. Everybody knows the Apostle Paul. But there, there had to be a Lydia for the church in Philippi to start so Paul could continue on. He planted the church and continued on. Lydia was necessary, and God used her so that could happen. And I believe God is wanting to use you Okay. Musical microphones. Are you still with me? You hearing me? You hearing what the Spirit is trying to say to the church? This has nothing to do with serving Shane. It is my absolute pleasure to serve. And I will do everything and anything I can. But the Holy Spirit really has convicted me. And, and even in the counsel I've gotten from other ministers, I have to make every opportunity for you. And I'll get to this. We're going to start having some serve teams where there's some structure here. Like in Exodus, he says to set up structure. And I can't wait. In the next week, we'll start getting you up to speed on that. But I had a pastor ask me this. He's like, basically, if somebody were to come into the church right now, get saved, or rededicate their life, where could they serve? Do they know it? And I'm like, well, I can think of all kinds of places you can serve, but I haven't made that plain for everybody and we're going to in the next in the next week we've already started writing it down i've already started calling some of you and will be don't be surprised if i call you this week you're not in trouble i promise it's because I, I just i think that god has a leadership potential within you so now you're all gonna be nervous because who, who am i calling but i want to look at another character really quick and, and i won't read the scripture here but there's another character in psalm 73 i read this a couple weeks ago Psalm 73, there's a character named Asaph. Now, who's Asaph? Well, we know David. He was a musician, right? The, uh, King Saul would call him, and he'd play. And So David had all kinds of talent. I mean, he was one of those, like, superstars. He was kind of ones that, I, like, I would look at and be like, why do I even bother, right? You know, he can play all this and that, and then he's a great king, he's a great this, he's a great whatever. And so... Here we have Asaph, though. David, much like I just told you I would be doing a disservice to you if I didn't allow opportunities for you to serve, I believe David must have had that same wisdom passed on to him because David could have just played the instruments himself. 
He could have continued. I mean, he loved to dance like a fool, right? We've, we've read this together. He loved worshiping God, that he was fervent in his worship and praise. But he delegated this to chief musicians. There was a few, and among them was Asaph. And Psalm 73 is Asaph writing. And I don't, we don't need to read Psalm 73 together right now, but I want you to understand how King David delegated this so others could serve. And unlike Lydia, this had nothing to do with money. This was praise and worship. That was delegated. Praise and worship. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't even like Jethro had said for Moses for them to judge. No, this is a different aspect of service. This is you are to be the chief musician, to lead other musicians and take charge, to be a praise and worship leader in a sense. But why? Why would King David do this? When he, that's, I mean, out of all things, we know that he loved praise, but I think it's because he knew in his heart, just like we're learning here, it is a privilege for all of us to be able to serve the kingdom. Far be it from me or far be it, you know, King David to withhold that from his people to be able to serve. You following me here? That's why he would have set this up this way. David had over 280 musicians in his orchestra, and he appointed these leaders, a soft one of them, to oversee and to have charge and leadership so that he could be fulfilled in serving God. And that's what I believe we are being called into, each of us. We are to get back to this heart of servant servitude, where we say, God, how can you use me, big or small, whatever it is. Like you said in the, the parable in Matthew 25, I'll take that little. If you got just a little... Let's go. That's all God is asking for is bring your little and let's go. There are several others, and I'll be careful of time. Maybe I'll oh, have this on a Wednesday night after we get through our current series. But, you know, you've got Mordecai. If you think of the story of Esther, you think of Esther. <laughs> uh, but Mordecai was instrumental. He had a compassion for the needs of others. And he shared great wisdom, just like Jethro had shared to Moses. In Esther chapter 2, it says this in verse 7, And Mordecai had brought up Hadessa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was so lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her in as his own daughter. Do we have spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers that are willing to take somebody under you, your, your wing and encourage them and pray for them. Chapter, uh, verse 11 in chapter 2 of Esther says, And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. He had a concern for her like no other. And so for us, do we, are we concerned about the well-being of one another? I do my best to check up on you. But do we, do we check up on each other? I will let you down. See, this, is, this goes back to Exodus where, where Jethro says you'll both burn each other out. See, because what will happen is I want to call every single one of you every single week. But see, I can't, get, I can't do that. I would get burned out. And you'd be offended when I miss calling you because you'd realize I called, you know, the other five people that sit in your pew. You see what I'm saying here? So God is calling us to a heart of servant, servanthood. Are you getting me? Are, are, are you understanding where, where, where I'm coming from? I hope I'm not losing you here. Because this is what the Spirit wants for us. 
We could look at uh, Abigail in 1 Samuel. I won't go there. I like the, who's Abigail? Some of you might not even know in the Bible. Who's Abigail? Look it up in 1 Samuel where she was married to a wicked man and he, he offended David so bad. He sent him some obscene words. We don't know what he actually said. We just know that when, when David got the message from Abigail's husband, Nabal, I believe is his name, when, when David got the message, he was furious. So it wasn't just a, you know, like a, hey, leave me alone kind of letter. This was like, there's probably some profanity and whatever, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so he was upset. And Abigail was smart enough as David's like, you know what? I've been keeping this, this household safe no more. I'm going to go destroy them all. I'm going to kill them all, destroy everything they've got. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. And he shows up and Abigail comes out and was smart enough to prepare some food and to, and to just lay at David's feet and, and have some wisdom to change his mind and to be that mediator, that peacemaker. I love it. Go home and read about Abigail. I believe there's some Abigails in, in our congregation, spiritually speaking. I don't know if we got little Abigail. I mean, spiritually speaking, that God has called you to be like an Abigail. Or what about in Luke 10? And I promise I'm wrapping up. In Luke 10, we've got the 70 unnamed or 72, depending on translation, unnamed disciples. I, I'm completely content. God, let me be part of the 70. This is not the Shane show. I hate that. I, even, that I hate that whole thought. Please understand. I would gladly be part of the 70 unnamed. We don't know their names. But we know God used them. They came back and like, wow, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name, right? Obviously, God was using them. Are you part of that 70 unnamed disciples where God is, is going to use you? I think so. Or what about this? And this will be the last story that I get to. John chapter 6. You've probably heard of the miracle where Jesus feeds the 5,000. What about that little boy who brought his lunch? And he gave everything that he had. He gave everything that he had so Jesus could do this miracle. We need those characters in the church. We've got these main characters, yes. And we've got our preachers and our pastors. And yes, God has called them. And we know the fivefold ministry. And I believe it. And, and God moves in that. But all of these aspects still need like the little boy who gave his lunch. They need the Abigails, the unnamed disciples in Luke 10. They need the Lydias. They need a Jethro to, you know, give us some common sense and give us some advice, give us some structure in some areas so we're not just shooting from the hip all the time, right? What about all those? And you might be called to be a preacher or you might be called to be a pastor evangelist and I will support you with everything I've got to help you get there. But God might be calling you to be one of these characters. And so like the boy who gave all he had, I guess what I would just ask you to pray about is what is God calling you to give? In the parable we started with, Jesus gave them talents, each according to his own ability. It's ain't time for us to compare. Well, so-and-so can give this. I never could give that. No. So I ask again, are you ready to give 
what abilities you do have to God. I've looked into some research of our demographics, and, and we're going to close here. You know, within a 25-minute drive of here, there are 95,000 people just within a 25-minute commute. You know, within our Dunn school system alone, as far as public school, kindergarten through 12th grade, only done, not the county, only done, we've got over 3,000 students enrolled. That doesn't count preschool, that doesn't count private school, and that doesn't even count the neighboring schools. That is just done. There's over 3,000 students enrolled. Why do I say that? There is a mission field right here. And God is calling each of us to be able to minister to them. But what it's going to take, just like it did in Exodus, I will do everything in my ability to serve the church in every aspect. I'm not beneath scrubbing a toilet. I'm not beneath visiting you wherever you are. But as much as I want to do these things, I can't do it all. And it's going to take Lydia's and Abigail's Asafs. It's going to take the boy who gave his lunch, and that's what I believe he's called each of us into. I believe he is calling us into service. And so what I would just ask, if, Brother Josh, if you could just play some music. We, we don't have to take long, although we will take as long as the Holy Spirit wants us to. I'd like to have a brief moment of prayer in the altar. And this is what I ask. I want you to take this to God. You take it to God first. You pray in the altar here. We're going to say, God, what is it? What's my little portion that you are wanting me to serve? How can I give my little to you to seek first the kingdom, to seek you, to give it back to you? Because I just told you, we got over 3,000 kids just here next door. We need to serve them. We need to minister to them. But it's going to take us linking together arm in arm and going and serving together. There's over 95,000 people within a 25-minute drive. We need to minister to them. We need to serve them. But it's going to take this. And so what I would ask is let's just have a time of prayer. Thanks so much for listening today. I just wanted to put in a quick plug here. Please connect with us. So you can find us on Facebook at The ROC Ministry. Again, just connect with us so that we can stay in touch. And please like, subscribe, share with others if you feel blessed so that we can continue sharing these sermons. God bless.